0: We are in the uh, book of Genesis, book of beginnings, chapter 21. So if you'll open your Bibles to Genesis, chapter 21. We looked last week at the birth of the child of promise. Finally, at long last, the child of promise is born. So let's pray and we'll pick up uh, right there as we continue our journey this afternoon. Father, thank you for the beauty of the day. We have, we've been so grateful for the rain that you have given to us. And uh, as it continues, we are very grateful and thankful. We ask that you protect those along the East Coast who are facing this uh, very severe hurricane. And, Father, we would pray for your intervention. And perhaps, Father, if it would glorify you to lessen the strength of that storm. And I pray that you would watch over and protect uh, From loss of life and much damage to property, we just pray for a sense of your presence for those who are about to feel the brunt of this storm. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you'll speak to us from your word today. Thank you for the good food. Use it to strengthen us. Thank you for the sweet fellowship that we've enjoyed with one another. So we love you and we adore you. We worship you now in Christ's name. Amen. I'm always good glad to see you every Wednesday. I know that you enjoy fellowshipping with one another. Have you ever been to a, a, a dinner, a banquet, or a study, or anything where you can hardly hear anybody whispering? Just, you know, and you pretty soon you get the feeling that, yeah, they really don't like each other, do they? <laughs> but with you guys like each other. You're just, I can hear it in the room. And so um, a lot of bantering going on. I know as we go from table to table, uh, I hear it and I receive it as the brunt of much of it, but I'm, I'm just, I'm delighted, but as you noticed, I've learned to give it back, so um, I appreciate you all very much. All right, now, uh, the child of promise is born, let me see if you've been listening, who, who is the father, who's the mother, how old is the father, when the baby's born, how old is the mother? Yeah, what's the baby's name? And what does that mean? Laughter. Laughter. All right, excellent. You've really been paying good attention. So we really covered verses 1 through 7 last week. I I put it back into the outline, but uh, I I think we really covered it. Uh, Just a final reminder, don't doubt or give up on God's promises. God had been promising this child for a long, long time. And we've seen the doubt that entered into the mind of Sarah and the doubt that entered the mind of Abraham and decisions that they made accordingly. But God kept his promise. And God's time is not always our time. We tend to be impatient. Or I do. I, I'm sure you don't. But I, I, I tend to be impatient and sometimes want to run ahead of God. But remember, his timing is perfect. And he will keep his word the timing may not be yours but he will keep his word he'll keep every promise that he makes all right we come to verse 8 and uh, Ishmael and Hagar are about to depart from the company of Abraham and his and his family so I'm going to read uh, verses 8 through 21 that's a pretty long passage but it won't take us too long to get through it and then we'll go back and look look at those verses chapter 21 verse 8. The child grew, still referring to Isaac, and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. And you know the saying, men, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. (laughs) Right now, mama ain't happy. So the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. He is the father of Ishmael, and he loves Ishmael. It's already been stated in the earlier text. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. Early the next morning Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and sent them off, uh, sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard, now look, look at this, God heard the boy crying. Now she's sobbing, but so is he. Now at this point, uh, he is probably about 16 years old. We may say, well, 16-year-old boy ought not to be crying, but look, uh, they're out of water. They're in the desert, middle of nowhere, nobody around. Um, looks like life is going to come to a pretty, pretty uh, quick end for him and his mother. So God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and so she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer, and while he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt." Right, we'll stop there. Uh, we're not going to spend a long time. But I want to get to chapter 22. It's very significant, but this is important too. So it's time for weaning, which means Isaac was about three years old in the way that they did it in those days. So Isaac's now a toddler. He's three. Ishmael would be about 16. Ishmael mocks the little boy. And uh, unfortunately for him, Sarah saw it. And in Galatians chapter 4, verse 29, a very interesting verse as Paul discusses Hagar and Sarah. And I won't read the whole passage, but in verse 29 of chapter 4 in Galatians, at that time the son born according to the flesh, that's Ishmael. Persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. That's Isaac. Now that persecution at this point meant mocking, mockery. Notice the interesting sentence that Paul uses. Now you didn't probably didn't open to it. Here's the next sentence. He just said he's persecuted the 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 boy born according to the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. Period. Next sentence. It is the same now, period. Not interesting. Now, I I think you can vault forward to 2018 and say it is the same now. It it continues. So Sarah sees and knows um, the mockery, and she knows correctly it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. So she wants the problem uprooted and cast away and she demands that Abraham do something about it. Abraham's distressed because Ishmael is also his son and he loves Ishmael and rightfully so. And yet God says it's all right, send them away because I'm going to take care of them and I promise to make a great nation out of Ishmael also. Isaac, however, is the child of promise. Now, I don't know how much you know about uh, Islam. I'm sure you know more now than you did a few years ago. And uh, you know that uh, Muslims believe that the child of promise was not Isaac, but Ishmael was the child of promise. And we also know that the vast number, uh, the greatest number of descendants of Ishmael are the Arabic Muslims. Not all Muslims are descended from Ishmael, but the majority would be descended from Ishmael. And so we see to this day the conflict that occurs between the Muslims and Jews and Muslims and Christians and Muslims and almost anybody else. And is it not an accurate description when God said earlier in Genesis that this child Ishmael will be like a wild donkey and will be an enemy of all his neighbors. And so that has, we see that uh, continuing to come to fruition. Now I know it would probably be an interesting study to take off on that for a little while I'm I'm going to stick to Genesis because I do want to finish before Jesus comes again but um, would encourage any reading that you can do that would be informative for you to help you understand the conflict that began there and continues uh, to this day but in the midst of the verses that I read can you see the grace of God see any grace occurring here? The child of promise is Isaac, but God demonstrated his grace toward Ishmael and Hagar, his mother, in protecting them and delivering them, and then also in saying, I will make a great nation out of Ishmael, which indeed God has done. So we see the grace of God in the life of Ishmael. So fascinating, we've not seen the last of uh, conflict. We'll find some more in as we journey through Genesis. You'll find it in Exodus, you'll find it in lots of places, and certainly it occurs today. Well, we come to verse 22, and a treaty is made, and I find this to be interesting. Remember Abimelech? What? happened last time Abraham was with Abimelech what did Abraham do yeah he, he lied again we've done that before he lied about Sarah saying she's my sister not my wife well yes yeah, she was really his half-sister that part is sort of true but it was it was a lie I mean you know it's like your mama used to say white lies a lie it's a lie So don't try to tell me it's just a little lie. A lie is a lie is a lie is a lie. So Abraham lied to Abimelech. This time it's a very different encounter. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham. Abraham's living among Abimelech's people. And Abimelech had said, just stay right here as long as you want to. So Abraham said, okay, and they are. But here we go. Abimelech and Phicol said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. It is obvious to Abimelech and to Phicol that the hand of God is on Abraham. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants wonder why Abimelech would even suspect that in Abraham well your track record runs before you so okay swear to me before God you will not deal falsely with me or with my children or with my descendants show to me and the country where you now reside as a foreigner the same kindness I have shown to you so Abraham's tribe is growing getting stronger Abimelech is concerned. And so he says to Abraham, I've been very kind to you. Will you show me the same kindness? And Abraham says, I swear it. I swear it, he promises. But then immediately, this um, uh, memorandum of understanding, or this peace treaty, this agreement, is put to the test. Immediately. Because Abraham complains to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. It's a well that Abraham had dug. And Abimelech has seized it. Or his people have seized it. So Abimelech says, I don't, I don't know who's done this. You didn't tell me. And I heard about it only today. And there's no reason to believe that that's not the complete truth. Abimelech's telling the truth. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech. And the two men made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What's the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you have set apart by themselves? And he replied, Accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. As a witness that I dug this well. That your, that your guys have come and taken. It's It's my well. So I'm giving you seven new lambs so that every the slate is clean between you and me. The the lambs are yours, but you are agreeing in receiving the lambs that Abraham dug the well, and my guys who've taken the well will give it back, and you won't have to worry about it any longer. And so that place was called their Sheba which means well of seven, seven you lambs, and the well, well of seven, can also mean well of oath. And so uh, they made an agreement, the two men swore an oath there at Beersheba, which exists to this day, by the way. If you're familiar with Israel at all, you know, down south in the desert, there is a significant city, a very large city, it's called Beersheba. Beersheba. <laughs> After the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. We'll hear of them again, will we not? And Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. Now, I I love this because think back. Abraham, remember, what was it that Abraham once worshipped? (laughs) the moon he had once worshiped the moon god god spoke to him abraham came into a personal saving relationship with with god now as a faithful follower uh, of god and here is his declaration the name of the lord the eternal god so abraham is a faithful servant of god there's no mixture of anything here. There's no going back to the moon God. There's no belief in the former God. He is totally, completely sold out to the one true and living God, the one he calls eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. For a long time. Now, um, by the way, you know this from Sunday school. Where is the chief... Area in which the Philistines lived Gaza yeah ever heard of it <laughs> yeah it was a little bigger then than it is now but Gaza um, Gaza Strip interesting isn't it conflict will come for the Jews from the land of the Philistines conflict comes today from the land of the Philistines. Interesting how that how that happens. Now, Abimelech and Abraham make a non-aggression treaty. They're going to be respectful of each other. They're going to coexist together in respect and honor uh, of one another. I find it interesting that the Philistines or the Abimelech and Thy call. Look at Abraham and what do they see? Now, these are pagans. They don't believe in Abraham's God, but what is it that they see? The hand of God. The hand of your God is on you and we recognize it. We can see it. As you and I live honorable lives for Christ. Before those around us, people will notice. Lost people, pagan. Don't tell your neighbors who are lost that you're calling them pagans. But lost people notice the goodness and the righteousness of God's people. They may not like it. It may irritate them. But sometimes it generates respect and interest how is it that you are the way you are how is it that you handle crises so differently than I handle crises what is it that makes you tick and so your righteousness can penetrate can be used by the Holy Spirit to penetrate the heart of people who don't know Christ and Phicol and and Abimelech Never gave their hearts to God, but they saw something about Abraham that caused them to believe that the hand of his God was on him. So the challenge to us is to live in such a way that others see Jesus in us and will know that there's something different about us. That we are distinctive, we're different, we're not like everybody else. And we are different and distinctive. So let that be a lesson that we learn from the way Abraham was living his life. He planted a tree that was a symbol of faithfulness and prosperity. And notice again his words. He called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. Verse 33. Abraham's faith has grown. Can you see the progression? The progression of Abraham's faith. That faith is going to come through in chapter 22 in, in, an incredible way because the faith of Abraham is about to be, is about to face its severest test and it's going to end up showing us that his faith is real. Now let's look at, at chapter 22. We've got enough time to get, to get started on it. Um, so let's read chapter 20, a huge, huge, huge chapter. Now, I know all the chapters of the Bible are important, but you go along and you mark some of them and say, this is a biggie. Chap- chapter 22 is one of those biggies. So here we go. I know you know what's about to happen. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, this, will, this gets the lump in your throat. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, if that doesn't get your skin to tingle and you catch your breath, I don't know if there's anything that will. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. What? You mean there's no debate? There's no argument. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, it's a three-day journey. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Now look at this. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Whoa. We will come back to you. And we'll elaborate on that in a moment. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he carried himself, he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, "Father, or my father? Yes, my son. Notice, can you see the tenderness? My father, my son. Yes, my son." Abraham replied, "The fire and the wood are here. You know, Abram's carrying the fire in, in a pot. The fire and the wood are here." Isaac said, "But where's the lamb for the burnt offering?" He's Total innocence. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. That's a title that I put to the chapter. God will provide. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now we know he's got Ishmael, so why is he saying your only son? The son of promise. That's why he uses that term. Now, Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. God will provide. There's the ram. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Jesus because you've obeyed me last verse for the moment then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba verse one this is a test Abraham did not know that yet but we know it because we read it now imagine if we were reading this text without the knowledge that this is a test from God would make it much more difficult to read it. But we know it's a test. In verse 2, there are three simple, unqualified imperatives that God gives to Abraham. Take, go, sacrifice. Take your son, go to Moriah, and sacrifice your son. Now, Abraham knows what that means. He is surrounded by pagans who practice human sacrifice. Very common among the Canaanites, the pagans. Uh, I think one of the most dramatic, breathtaking sights in the Holy Land today is to go to Megiddo, Armageddon, and see the ancient Canaanite altar that is there today, just as it was several thousand years ago, absolutely unchanged. This enormous, enormous altar on which they practice human sacrifice and it makes your blood run cold just to look at it and to know what happened in that place. Abraham knows what this means. There's no, there's no sense possible in which Abraham didn't understand what God was asking him to do. He knows and he knows what it's like. So can you imagine the feelings of a father who loves his son? And so we're going to see what Abraham does as a result of what God said. Now, by the way, a little geography again. Where is Moriah? You know where it is. Jerusalem. What what happened on Mount Moriah other than this? The temple, uh, the Temple Mount. Also, um, Muslims say that it is from. Moriah that uh, Muhammad ascended uh, from his horse ascended into heaven so the stake a claim if they can to Jerusalem and to Mount Moriah so you talk about a significant biblical place uh, that, that is that is it now I want you to notice here God, God's told Abraham what to do, And do you notice, what does Abraham do? Immediate obedience. As soon as it's daylight, they're gone. They're on their way. No hesitation. Speculative question. Did Abraham tell Sarah what he was going to do? I hear no's all around the room. And I agree. I don't think Abraham told her. I think Abraham said we're going to Moriah and we're going to worship God. I don't think he told her what was going to happen. And you know why? Not that. I mean, you might say, yeah, she'd tear his eyeballs out. No, that. no. Here's the real reason. We already know what the real reason is. Abraham told his two servants, we'll go and worship and we'll be back. Abraham in his heart knows he doesn't know how God's going to do it, but he knows I'll come back home and I'll have my son with me, such is the faith, the faith of Abraham. What does, we'll read this next week because we don't have time today. What is it the book of Hebrews said? The, Old, the New Testament gives us a lot of light on every, the things of the Old Testament. What does Hebrews say that Abraham believed as he took his son to sacrifice? And what, what does it say? He believed God would raise him from the dead. I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice my son. And, and remember that means more than just cutting his throat. That means burning his body. I mean that, you see the whole thing. Abraham believed either God's going to do something to stop me or he will take the charred body of my son and resurrect my son back to life again. Now you know why the Bible talks about the faith of Abraham. Utterly amazing. So we're going to pick up there next time. Abraham and his son and the servants and the get. They can see Moriah. It's the high ground. The Bible. I get chasing rabbits. The Bible when it speaks of Jerusalem always says going what? Going up to Jerusalem. Well there's a reason for that. To go to Jerusalem, you're going to go up. And so they look and they see up there is Mount Moriah. And so they stop, the servants and the donkey stay, Abraham and Isaac go, and we'll pick up there next time and see what happened. I think it's, it's incredible what we read about Abraham, but I want to put in a few good words about Isaac also. I want you to remember this, Isaac's 15 years old, maybe about this time. Isaac is stronger than his 115-year-old dad. He's faster than his 115-year-old dad. But he does not try to run away. He does not try to escape. He submits to what his father wants to do. And I would submit to you, there's some good things to be said about the faith of Isaac also. Because I believe, I guess I'll take all the soap away from next week. Because I believe as Abraham was wrapping him up, he was saying, son, trust me. Trust God. God's going to keep His promise. God promised that the world would be blessed through your seed and you aren't even married. You don't have children yet. God's going to keep that promise. I don't know how He's going to keep it, but He's going to keep it. And if it means you die and He raises you back to life again, trust me, son. Trust God. It's all going to be okay. And as best we can tell from the text, Isaac completely trusted his father. Isn't that amazing? So we'll get back and we'll pick up there next Wednesday. And I hope to see you then. Don't don't miss somebody reminding me that I said last week. Be sure you're here today because this is really an important chapter. So be here next week. This is really an important chapter, okay? (laughs) Father, thank you for the faith of Abraham. I pray that we as men and women of God would be faithful also. That others around us, both the saved and the unsaved, would see the distinctiveness that is in our lives because we know you. In the beautiful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.